You are listening to Africa Rights Talk, a Center for Human Rights podcast series. Welcome to the conversation. My name is Laura Arudi. I'm an activist and a human rights advocate, especially for SOGI rights and women's rights. Welcome to today's podcast where we are talking about LGBTIQ persons with regards to the digital era. How do they interact? How do they engage? What are some of the challenges that they may face? What are some of the opportunities? And we're also going to just go through some conversation around SOGI rights and technology. So before further ado, let me have a brief introductions to the persons joining us today. So we're going to start with MC. Kindly introduce yourself. My name is MC Erastus. I am currently a digital inclusion and rights media fellow with Paradigm Initiative. I have a master's in media and communications from the London School of Economics. I consider myself to be a digital activist and therefore um, want to see the rights of previously marginalized groups respected and documented, if I can put it that way, in the digital space. Thank you. My name is uh, Kofi Yabwa. I am also a fellow. Uh, with Paradigm Initiative on the Digital Rights and Inclusion Fellowship Program. Um, I have a Master's in Communications and Technology from University of Alberta. I also see myself uh, as a digital rights and inclusion uh, activist, uh, really interested in how digital technologies um, sort of include uh, minority groups and marginalized groups in our communities. Um, so that is briefly uh, who I am. Thank you so much for that. This podcast is mainly for the Tech for Rights campaign, which is being uh, spearheaded by the Center for Human Rights, University of Pretoria. So we are glad to have all of you come and engage with us. As you can tell, fellow listeners, we have experts in the house who are well-versed with the digital space and as well passionate about the inclusion of marginalized groups. In this case, Soge persons uh, within the digital era in the digital space. So without further ado, I want to start off with the first question. What is your opinion of the inclusion of SOGI persons within the digital rights law frameworks in Africa or international? Do you think that SOGI persons are well explicitly included within this? And even if they're implicitly included, do you think that that is well coverage of um, protection and the realization of their rights within the digital space? Um, I think when you talk about digital rights and the law protecting marginalized communities uh, specifically in Africa we are still at this uh, intersection where we are dealing with existing laws um, for example if you look at article 9 of the African charter which provides for freedom of expression and uh, freedom of dissemination you get governments who are saying that for example in Namibia where you say that uh, the freedom of expression for Soghi persons is already included in the Namibian constitution and there is a lot of hesitance into specifically tailoring laws in the digital sphere that deals with Soggy persons. That obviously has to deal like for example in Namibia we have a law called the sodomy law uh, which has in recent months has come up uh, in a lot of protests, online protests, offline protests as well so people coming after that law and we are seeing that the rights of Soggy persons are not really protected 
inserted in this space, especially for trans people, for example. So where you have, if you look at uh, issues like we are talking about artificial intelligence, for example, we are talking about surveillance and facial recognition, where it does not really make provision, especially in Africa for trans people. How are trans rights uh, protected in the digital space? Uh, for example, if uh, your identity now uh, is this identity, but then the digital space still feeds you with the past, for example. So we still see a lot of loopholes when it comes to the protection specifically of soggy persons in the digital space that it's really as much as governments keep pushing that it, they are protected in terms of the law as included in terms of human rights laws like uh, Article 9, for example. But in reality, in the, in the digital space, it's very hard for soggy persons, for example, to uh, report issues of hate speech online. So there's still a lot that needs to be done, actually, because what is currently there is very little, in my opinion. All right. Before I give it to Kofi, what is digital rights, first of all? What would you say is this digital rights that you're talking about before we even delve into the soggy persons and their inclusion or lack thereof within the space? What What do you understand by digital rights? Uh, thanks. Uh, thanks, Laura. And, and I think that's a very, very important question. Um, for me, I think most of the time when digital rights are mentioned, people think that it's sort of like a unique right that has been developed or brought into existence. But basically, it's just, you know, the human right that exists in, within our society, you know, freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, freedom of uh, expression. These human rights that already exist within our society is what has been projected online. In other words, uh, people's engagement via online platforms should be respected the same way people's engagement offline are respected. Whatever human right that exists offline should be the same rights that exist via online platforms. I think that actually gives a very good clarification on what digital rights is about. It's just the extension of the protection from the rights that we experience physically should be, as you say, rights that should also be protected within the digital space. So that comes to the second question. Looking at the scope and the globe generally, we've gone to the digital era. Have you noticed some positive engagements that the Soge community has benefited from by accessing or the utilization of this digital space to advocate for their rights or call to bring out their grievances on certain issues? I don't know whether to say it's really, really positive because it's really small um, in my in my opinion and, and based on my observations. Um, however, we still must celebrate those um, those milestones. So, so the existence of these digital platforms, you know, social media platforms like Facebook and Twitter, you know, brings. It sort of uh, creates this ecosystem where there are other international organizations like the UNICEF, the uh, human rights organization being present online. And their presence online alone, it's a good indication for the for the protection of this digital right of Soge persons, right? Because now there are a lot of violence against Soge persons online, but with the presence of these human rights organizations, be able to speak up on their behalf because then they have bigger authority in that sense to sort of counter some of these things that are said against them, this hate speech said against them. And 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 for me, that's what I'm really happy about, right? Because the, the digital rights itself, it's not that 
um, strong to protect them online. But the assistance of these international organizations, civil society organizations, help sort of amplify that or deepen that protection, that digital right protection for Sogi persons. Uh, because, for example, there were 21 persons arrested in Ghana because they were in a meeting to discuss digital rights for LBGT community. And the government has failed to release them, you know, based on bail or even to hear them out. And they are still, you know, in, in prison as we speak. However, the UN uh, Geneva country office, you know, tweeted using the official handle, uh, tweeted, uh, you know, to the government and says that, you know, they, you know, they, they, they stand against this and, you know, th these people have the right to whatever they have to do. And, and this was in support of the ongoing digital or online uh, protest against the arrest of these 21 persons. So, so voices, strong voices like this really help keeping that protection. And we are yet to see even the release of them, but at least it's a good step. I can hear that you, you talk about visibility, the fact that a lot of uh, information on Saudi issues can, you know, take a global perspective as opposed to a local perspective and give more visibility to issues. I also heard um, influencing dialogue and maybe a lobbying for changes uh, to effect some changes to the law in the terms of uh, Ghana and even recently Uganda as well. So yes, I love those points and thank you so much for them. But what else is an impact or an other impact that the digital rights has brought to the Soge persons uh, in Africa. I mean, just to pick up on what Kofi was saying, visibility is definitely one of them. If we look at something like Pride Month, um, it was something that, especially in African context, it was not as visible because it was deemed to be more of a European or a foreign event. But because of digital platforms, definitely activism has picked up and it has really become a global event that uh, we are seeing that uh, now organizations are celebrating it as well. Organizations are changing their profile pictures to show solidarity for Sogi persons. I, I think I remember in 2017, Article 19 partnered with Grindr to protect LGBT plus users on the dating app platform. I mean, such uh, we are seeing such collaborations coming up to protect LGBT plus people online as well. But something that actually, for me personally, because it's something that I was watching with my 14 year old niece and uh, we're watching sex education on Netflix and we are seeing the emergence of shows that deal with issues that really struggles that uh, Soji persons go through on a daily basis and we are seeing them that they're emerging in the mainstream media now. I mean it could be that in our countries, in our respective African countries, shows on LGBT plus are not really displayed but we can access some of these shows or some of this content on various streaming apps for example as well. So if we look at some of this and really just the opportunity to for activism as much as there is a lot of backlash that comes with it, there is also that opportunity of as Kofi was saying of visibility that was not really as existing offline for example where now Sogi persons have the right to express themselves, they have the right to association, they have a, uh, really like this coming from the digital age and I think that these are some of the milestones that we 
cannot really throw away or ignore because as much as as little as they sound, if you look back 10 years ago, we're making an example of Modern Family. I remember in Modern Family when Kim had their first kiss and it was such a controversy. But now you are seeing shows coming up that it's no longer a controversy to see surrogate persons kissing online or falling in love. Communities are actually beginning to fall in love with some of these characters. So these are some of the milestones in my view that we need to celebrate because they are moving us in the right direction. So I think that is good and what I hear from that is the construction of identity is more visible and more accessible to many with your examples and as well awareness creation and you would you bring around the issue of emergence of issues and the development you know of some some societal attitudes. So uh, in that regard I want to ask so what are some of these challenges that you face because I'm going to start with your MC because you say that they are not only milestones but they are also challenges so I would just have two challenges yeah. from you that you have seen um, the Sogi persons hindered you know face with the utilization of the digital spaces within Africa that is I mean it's quite an interesting question because as much as there is visibility for Sogi persons visibility for hate is also very amplified in the digital space so there's a lot of hate crime that happens online directed to activists and Sogi persons as well as a lot of actually cyber misogyny because you'll find a lot of cyber feminists who are uh, trying to dig deep and really fight for digital rights of uh, previously marginalized persons but then um, the backlash is quite very heavy and as someone who is very passionate about artificial intelligence and looking at biases within that sphere I mentioned at the beginning when it comes to trans people things like facial recognition for example these are issues that I believe uh, yes the digital movement needs to start tackling these issues because these are issues that are already affect people who are excluded, uh, who are included, are somehow included to a certain extent, which is very debatable in the digital sphere. So what about communities that have been previously excluded, like trans people, for example, when it comes to AI? And these are things, that challenges that I believe the uh, community needs to start looking at. Uh, we need to start holding tech companies accountable, as well as our governments and the international community in general to say that we are thinking about surveillance, for example, official recognition, we also need to include um, Sobi persons are writing this because they can extensively marginalize communities in the future if things are not dealt with right now. Kofi, do you have any addition to the discussion? Absolutely. Um, I think another challenge that is seen in this digital era is, is, is what is called the, you know, the digital harassment, right? There's a there's a lot of harassment that is happening to Sobi persons within these digital platforms. You know, oftentimes, and and I know oftentimes it's more uh, focused on uh, women. Sometimes, you know, the men send, you know, unnecessary requests and sexual requests, you know, can you do ABC? Togi persons are also receive such, such you know, harassment via these digital platforms and abuse as well, right? So these are some of the things that are sort of increasing at the moment. For me, what is really... Um, pertinent for me is how governments and organizations who do not support Sogi persons can use such platforms to attack, physically attack uh, Sogi persons. So for instance, uh, just an example, you know, I, I think we all heard about in Egypt where governments sort of leveraged on Grindr and then identified people who were gay, bi, and, uh, and trans, you know, identified them and arrested all of them. And, 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 and you, can, you can imagine 
um, that kind of horror towards such people. Uh, it's unthinkable, something that should never be done, but data era sort of gives that room uh, for, for such, uh, for such uh, unpleasant things to happen. The other thing is that some of these social media platforms, their, their policies are not inclusive enough, okay? And so it gives people access to do anything they want to do. A clear example was in Paraguay where uh, someone created a fake account and sort of uh, picked up nude pictures of, of gay people on Grindr and then, you know, shared them publicly on Twitter. But it took the platform about six weeks for them to be able to take it down, regardless of the several reports that, you know, were leveled against that uh, account. And, and, and I think this is a clear indication of, of some of the challenges that sort of the digital era uh, brings forward, unfortunately. I think an addition that I'm yet to hear is censorship. In a lot of times, especially when it comes to Kenya, we find that, for instance, the Kenya Film Board, Classification Board, usually censors a lot of material that is supposed to be for the promotion or the protection of Sogi rights or the creation of information or just to, um, uh, you know, air grievances or just, you know, the creating of awareness. So in a lot of times as well, the state most, mostly uses the digital space to censor conversations around Sogi rights and Sogi parcels. A good example is the burning of you know, like the stories of our lives uh, the, the Rafiki film that in Kenya didn't have any leeway. So that is also something that uh, occurs and I also love the fact that you say that the state can also utilize this space to actually target, you know, to have uh, targeted attacks towards Sogi parcels as well. We've seen that in countries uh, uh, Zambia, we've seen that in Uganda, we've seen that in so many countries whereby People are either outed online and that creates, you know, a lot of ripple effect in terms of their social economic and um, other forms of uh, rights. They're infringed just due to that outing through social media. And as well, a lot of lives are broken through this, you know, family breakages. So it's important for us to note that as we speak on digital rights, it does not just extend to the one person who or the community. It also narrows down to other members of the society. So moving on to Another question, now that you've seen the challenges, you've seen the milestones, we've talked about the legislation, a bit of the legislation around uh, digital rights and inclusion of Sogi persons. Uh, is there a way to, are there opportunities that Sogi persons and the organizations, states can get engaged in to ensure the full realization of inclusion and protection of Sogi rights within the digital era space? Um. Yes, I, I, I think that um, the digital era sort of affords uh, exactly some of these opportunities for collaboration. And for me, most importantly, it sort of increases the, the level of advocacy. I mean, we also what happened with the Me Too campaign and that went globally on Twitter and then, you know, on other social media platforms. And, and these are some of the, the affordances that social media platforms or digital platform brings to to bear and, and exactly what uh, so gay persons and communities can you know, leverage on because it's a great opportunity to increase and amplify that advocacy of of equality of equity of inclusivity right for for these for for so gay persons and, and the community uh, at large and for me it's it's also a very good opportunity to sort of uh, engage 
vast stakeholders other than previously a more traditional way that is really difficult to reach out to stakeholders. Um, but now, um, stakeholders even who are not unwilling in court are challenged digitally, right? Challenged to change policies, to, to change the way they do things. And I think that's the most important thing that, one of the most important things that, of the opportunities that, you know, the digital era uh, brings forward. All right, thank you for that. MC, do you have something to add on to? Yeah, I guess to just stick up on the community standard um, policies, which is something that really like SOGI activists can push on is to make sure that big tech companies, for example, have certain community standards that are tailored to our African environment. I was in a session giving an example of how when we speak about a gay person in Namibia, we use certain words that are filled with hate speech, but uh, platforms like Google, I mean, Facebook or Twitter cannot pick up certain words because computers are not fed enough with, with enough data to identify some of this hate speech directed to circuit persons. And I, I guess that's a move that we need to start moving into because there is a saying that computers are binary, but people are not, meaning that computers follow certain rules and they follow certain standards. And we need to align computers to our non-binary nature, if I can put it that way, because laws are what protects people and it, it makes no sense if we are coming up with our own, because we are seeing now Twitter, for example, and what is happening in Nigeria, we are seeing that big tech companies are fighting amongst governments and when elephants fight, those in the middle are the ones that suffer most. So we need to make sure that the rights of Saudi people are protected both by tech companies that when they participate in the digital sphere, you have that autonomy, that uh, freedom to be who you are in the digital sphere as well. Uh, so policy change, a lot of advocacy when it comes to some of these AI biases, as well as uh, really just tackling things like hate speech and misinformation or disinformation when it comes to the rights of Saudi persons online. I feel like those are some of the things that we can tackle. For me, uh, one of the things that I want to highlight is um, some of the uh, legal steps that have been made in Africa uh, for the protection of this, whereby states can also see how best that they can align their policy and frameworks to be able to accommodate. And one of the best examples that I can give is the declaration of principles uh, of freedom of expression and access to information in Africa, which was adopted by the African Commission on Human and People's Rights in 2019. And this also affirms the right of expression and accessibility to information, which is those are rights protected not only within African region as a whole, but as well within the globe. So if we can as well see to it that we have frameworks that can be able to best take on to this, I think that will be good enough. So on to our final questions and thank you so much for your time. Actually, just um, on to our final question is um, in, in your perspective, um, how do you feel the digital era? Do you think that it has brought about uh, positive social attitudes or has it led to uh, the negative social attitudes developed uh, towards LGBTIQ persons as a whole, just in your own opinion? Has it brought, is the limelight
it's being able to be visible, being able to create information, to share, to get funding. Has it brought some positive developments or has it lessened it? Yes, I think uh, it's a two-way sort of imbalance, perhaps a bit. Um, so on the positive, uh, on the side of uh, visibility, yes, it has. Um, it's really given voice and sort of amplified the voices of of of, uh, of Soki persons and, and even the community to be able to bring forth and tell their story in the sense of some of the, the challenges they go through and it becomes so evident, right? And you can, and it makes one empathize the struggles and challenges that they go through. So that is true. And it has sort of brought together a lot of other stakeholders to, you know, to support and, and protect them. So on that side, that is very true. Uh, it's been really positive. On the flip side, it also has sort of increased the hate crime or hate speech against certain persons and even people within the community. So personally, even using myself as an example anytime i post or share anything related to persons in, with different sexual orientations you get really very nasty um, comments from friends very respected friends and you know some saying you know they're really disappointed in you just really disappointed and some are really nasty comments that i can even uh, mention here um, but but just to say that in as much as it's also supporting um, and amplifying the voices, it's also sort of increasing the hate towards uh, such persons. So it, it's sort of imbalanced at this moment. What about the social attitudes, uh, MC? Um, social attitudes. Um, I'm actually seeing that there is some sort of double-edged sword going on there. Um, we are seeing a younger generation that is utilizing digital platforms intensively and we are seeing that they are more open with their sexuality they are more expressive so there's definitely that support from the majority of younger generation at, at least in Namibia in the Namibian landscape from what I'm observing however there's also that really old guard that is trying to protect the space or to maintain the space that anything that is other or different does not penetrate through and that is what we are seeing happening now. We are seeing that sort of fight that is between a more awakened or what you call the woke generation. This is a world that has been used to certain ways of doing things, which in my view is not really a bad thing because we needed to come to this space where we can actually stand up because that is what democracy is about. We uh, have to talk about issues that make certain people uncomfortable and we need to address these issues. Um, I was last week, for example, in Namibia, there's a new platform called Clubhouse, an audio-only platform. And on Clubhouse, we are seeing for the first time where people are talking about LGBT plus rights in Namibia, which is something unheard of because such platforms did not exist. If they did exist, maybe they existed on Twitter in a text form. But now for the first time, we are seeing people actually discussing some of these issues. And this is a move that we need to go to as long as we know that the society that makes themselves allies or society that tries to oppose uh, human rights does that can be very damaging to Soggy persons because this side tend to forget that we are dealing with people's emotions, we are dealing with human rights. So we are seeing that fight, which somehow can be a good fight because we need that discussion to happen in order for us to come up with sound policies. So do we have any last words before I wind up? 
Maybe I can just start. Um, first of all, I would like to say Happy Pride Month. <laughs> this is a month that we celebrate and we really get to be expressive and uh, celebrate the uniqueness that is of Soge persons. And also just for us to remember that platforms available for Soge persons and that you're not alone in this uh, digital space, it's always important for someone who is directly involved in the human rights that's being discussed to really maintain their mental health. So find societies or find groups that really can protect you and don't just expose yourself to a lot of hate that is out there online. And for people who really want to be allies or people who um, really want to see human rights protected, I would say that we need to continue this fight because we need to stand up and we need to say that enough is enough offline or in the digital space. People's rights need to be protected no matter how much we disagree or agree with it. Uh, human rights remain human rights off and online. Thank you. To build on what MC said, um, my last words would be that, you know, African governments, uh, that, uh, that African government do not only, you know, comply with uh, human rights, uh, council recommendations on, you know, uh, making social persons and communities safe, uh, but they should actually also put effort in implementing uh, some of these recommendations because uh, we have many well, we have some uh, African governments that do not implement some of these uh, recommendations and that can be really worrying uh, for such minority groups. So my, my plea is that please implement them, enforce them and stand behind the community because it's really important for the protection uh, of your rights online and then offline. Thank you so much for that. Remember, this is a discussion uh, for tech for rights, spearheaded by the Center for Human Rights. In conclusion, I think the digital space or the digital era is an ever-evolving space uh, at this particular point. And therefore, my last words would be both SOGI persons, the allies, and those who want to be associated with the SOGI rights discussion should be able to constantly reevaluate, you know, some policies, reevaluate the hate speech bills, the freedom of expression bills, just to ensure that there's always inclusion and that everyone is represented and not only represented, but also respected and as well protected. So thank you so much for joining us and I appreciate all for your time. This has been Africa Rights Talk Join us in our other episodes as we continue to explore other human rights issues.